0: Know, to keep on growing strong in the dark side.
1: Tell You What, the podcast, where we talk with young musicians and songwriters about the craft of songwriting, the live music experience, and the 17 other things. Our guest for this episode is Nashville musician Daniel Donato. I was really looking forward to this talk. Daniel, at a fairly young age, has already had quite a musical journey as one of the top guitarists in Nashville, and he now stands at an interesting point in his career as he has started writing and recording his own music. He found his way to nashville as a teenager quickly made his mark as an expert guitar player landing a spot in the legendary don kelly's band at 17 years old and eventually touring among others with notable artists wild feathers and paul cawthon daniel at the age of 25 has already logged literally thousands of hours performing live which is remarkable his instructional videos are quite popular on the internets and he was nominated for the highly coveted Americana Music Association's Instrumentalist of the Year Award. In the last few years, Daniel has found his way to writing, singing, and recording his own songs. He released a three-song EP last year, Modern Machine, and has been releasing more songs this year that will make up part of his next release. We had, as I expected, a very entertaining and compelling chat. We covered a lot of ground. Daniel possesses an interesting combination of natural talent, intelligence, energy, and positivity. He is very self-aware and had some very insightful things to say about his journey and what lies ahead. So let's get to it. Here is our discussion with Daniel Donato. Keep
0: on strong, in the dark side, in the
1: Tell You What, the podcast. Thanks for making time for us this Absolutely. morning. Absolutely. Uh, you are at home, right, in Nashville, but you, you recently have done some touring?
2: Yeah, we, um, we've been touring since March, and uh, we just started June here, and we only have a couple of shows here in June, but we just got home last week from a 10-day from a run and then finished it off on Saturday with an almost sold-out show in Nashville.
1: Great. That's a good way to come home.
2: It really is. It really <laughs> uh, is.
1: All right. So let's let's talk about your early years. Um, yeah, in my opinion, you're still in your early years. You're a Thank pretty
2: you. young fella. <laughs> I love hearing that because that's a real thing. It's like a lot of people in the music business put a lot of pressure on this time of your life. And there needs to be a lot of pressure. But like one source of pressure that needn't be there is that the, the, the illusion that 24 is old. That's no. silly. I, mean, so I you, love
1: hearing that from you. I, it's interesting because, you know, I, I'm somewhat older than you, but you know, you grew up. It, it, rock and roll kind of was born, say, in the in the '60s and the '70s, and people thought, oh, when these people get older, that that's that's it. But there are a lot of great musicians who have had very long and productive careers. So you have a lot, well, you have a lot of years ahead of you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, let's talk about your early years. When you were younger, uh, what kind of music was around your home? What were you exposed to? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you remember from that time?
2: Um, I remember being younger, my dad always having a guitar. He had this one really clunky, big acoustic guitar that I, I, I loved the look of, but I hated the way it felt. And um, he would always play that, try to get me to play. I didn't really like it. And he would always be playing. One thing I remember was the Led Zeppelin CD box set that had like all the unreleased um, like rehearsals and... like. Um, on release takes, live takes of the band, etc. That was something that was always playing. American Beauty by the Grateful Dead was always playing. Yeah. Um. And my mom loved like '90s music. So like Train was always playing. Um. And like the early date Matthews was always on.
1: And, right.
2: Yeah, things like that. Nothing so was
1: strange. your dad? A, your dad a guitar player?
2: <clears throat> yeah, he still is.
1: Yeah. So. You picked up the guitar then pretty early yourself?
2: I picked it up at the age of 12, which is uh, which is early, early in someone's life but again, there's something about music in our society that a lot of people when I tell them that they think that's late it's a <laughs> <this> hilarious paradox
1: <laughs> And so when you started playing music, was it it was always all about the guitar for you?
2: Yeah, only until like four years ago was it not? It was always about the guitar, a hundred percent. Yeah.
1: So what changed four years ago?
2: You know, I think just as you get older and you follow your talent and you experience more life and you 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 follow your muse and you just try to widen your style and threshold of a musician, you start to see different horizons and different potentials and, and, and things just attract attract you in a different way and things start to taste different, um, metaphorically speaking. So
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I was going to ask you about this later, but let's get to it now. You were already on a trajectory to being, or a lot of people consider you one of the top guitarists in Nashville, right? You, oh, you, yeah. You, you, very well respected for being a guitar player, and you know, playing in studio sessions, going on the road with great bands, uh, all of these things. M- most musicians would consider that a path to success. You already are a success. So it's kind of interesting that now you are kind of trying to to do this some a little differently.
2: Yeah, I'm trying to pursue the in, in Nashville like um like in any field of work, there's always uh there's there's dialogue that's exclusive to that field of work that would need explanation to citizens outside of that field of work. Um, and the dialogue of what I'm trying to pursue now that's correct to my field of work would be called the artist thing, like literally right. quote artist thing quote, which is what so many people in Nashville say. So I'm yes. just trying to stay true to what people say here in town. But it basically means like, I'm just trying to be the boss. I'm trying to run my own show and I'm trying to do what I want, play the music I want the way I want to play um, I played for um, a number of artists, a slew of bands, and had some dabbling in the studio scene and um, something just happened and clicked in my brain and it, it also just with who I am as a person like I'm a disagreeable person largely <laughs> but um, I'm really conscientious of things so it's like that a lot of the time if you apply that as a blanket to a lot of humans that's like a natural leadership uh, like trait and I think it was just I've always been that way and
1: what do you, what do you mean you were a disagreeable person?
2: I I just think like for me, I know based on my perspective in life, what's right for me a lot okay. of the time. And um, when it comes to music, a lot of the time it's like. You when you're playing on stage and you, you're under somebody else's uh, command of the ship. Sometimes you don't want to go in, in, in that direction, and sometimes uh, you want to give more than uh, you're permitted to give, and, and sometimes mm-hmm. you want to uh, go in different directions musically, or you want to say something different. If you apply that that regimen to somebody who 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 is naturally disagreeable, and you do that for like uh, almost a decade, it's just a matter of time until, if 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 said person is talented enough. So where they just start and go pursuing their own thing. It's just like a natural manifestation of personality, which right. we can see in in, in, in in any person, right? It's like you see a lot of players, and I talk to a lot of players now who aren't doing anything that is associated with artistry, and uh, they absolutely love parts of the job that made me absolutely cringe. <laughs> and a lot of those come down to just base personality traits, if that makes any sense.
1: Yes. Yeah. But, but there's also... Something else going on here. You were a instrumentalist guitar player. Yeah. Right. And now you are creating your own music, right? That's another aspect of what we're talking about here.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: It totally is. Yeah. I always like, as a guitar player, um, I very early on had the taste of what most guitar players had. And then something started uh, uh, tapering off. Like right around 18, right when like 17, 18, when I got into the Grateful Dead. Okay. And I really started loving the, the, um, the listenable qualities that Jerry Garcia had. he, He was the first player.
1: In his playing.
2: In his playing and his singing. Okay. There's something about music that, that has always hit me where it's like, I can see and hear myself in something. And that's what I'm always searching for. And it might seem narcissistic but it's like if i can hear myself in it and i can see myself in it in a right brain grandiose sense then a lot of the times i i feel the need to pursue it naturally and this happened in a really strong way with jerry because he wasn't the best singer right but he was an emotionally on point singer and his guitar playing you could listen to him play for hours and it, it was because he was so vocal he was so soft and it was tender and I started really becoming obsessed with, with how can a guitar player not be um, just a shredder? How can, right. we, how can we find other energies that are, that are valid inside of this? Hmm. Um, and that's kind of still the journey that I'm on. And that manifested itself into loving other, uh, other players who were writers first, like Neil Young primarily would be like my next foray into that okay. chapter of my life
1: as a songwriter first.
2: Yeah, because he was a songwriter and a player, you know what I mean? Just like, of course, like for everyone in my generation, John Mayer.
1: Right. Uh, Now, yeah, so this leads me to another area I want to ask. So there's an awful lot of creativity in your instrumental work, right? Either through interpreting other songs in new and interesting ways when you play or in performance through improvisation and jamming, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you look at the creative process of songwriting which you're doing now as it relates to those creative musical ways of expressing yourself do you see them as the same thing or are they kind of different channels?
0: Yes
2: the thing about music is that it exists in both macro and micro perspectives of time and life like always like anything you make it happens right now but with how it works now in 2019 moving forward it's, it's likely going to exist forever because it can be on any platform for consumption in the form of content. Right. Um, and so it's like, I also look at it in the same way of like anything I've ever played and anything that I've ever been inspired by somehow has a say in who I am and what I'm playing today. Mm-hmm. Um, so having said that, the way I look at writing music is I'm still figuring it out in, in within two mediums. So to live in Nashville, like co-writing is one of the biggest, um forms of 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 mingling from one period to the next within this community. Right. And I do that uh like habitually. Like I'll do that four or five times a week. I'll write with somebody. And then I also write by myself and I realize that that is just it's like two different people. Um and then the person the Daniel that plays guitar is a different Daniel. So it's like I'm like three different me's right now. Yeah which is kind of complex sounding. And it kind of sounds a little bit, whoa, like wow, wow. But it's like, <laughs> it really is just the different skill sets, different ways of thinking and trying to just uh, have those all amalgamate and make sense when I go on stage and sing a song. I hope that answer made some sense.
1: It does. I, I'd like to pursue it a little further. So, so do you think that the creative Daniel is just slightly expressing himself differently through songwriting than he is through improvised uh, guitar jam on yes, stage. Yes, totally.
2: Totally, absolutely. And it's like also like the kind of songs I write, like I'll write a song in mind for guitar, for guitar exploration, which is one right. of, which is how I love to call it. Because it really is just like a kicking off of the shoes, pulling back the chair and like seeing what happens kind of a thing. Like, uh, like improvising for me is very much so relaxing in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then like executing a song that I've written is much more so at, like a uh, accuracy thing and improvisation is more like throwing spaghetti at the at like paint at the wall and seeing what sticks mm-hmm. but like creative Daniel is like um it, 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 he, it's unfolding in, in different directions and yeah. um the songwriting approach is is way different uh than it than it would be for a guitar uh, approach absolutely
1: so to restate what you're saying, so you're saying songwriting is more of a precise kind of narrowing down process and the improvisation is an opening up.
2: Yeah, that's a really salient resolution. Absolutely. Yeah. I couldn't have said it better, but that's absolutely perfect. I love that.
1: So let's let's drill down on what you said about the co-writing versus writing on your own being two uh, versions of your creative self. How Can you talk a little bit more about that?
2: it's just like doing anything with a group of people right everybody's ego when you bring somebody on board you're dealing with that person's ego and you're dealing also you're gaining that person's uh, asset of skill and perspective on life and whatever skill trait they bring to the table and I think that that can apply to any group project right. um, so in, in, in a formal setting it will be two to three people <clears throat> total in a room uh, right now at my skill that writes these days some songs have eight writers on yeah. So, so, I mean, it's it's a different music's being made in a different way now than it's ever been. But yeah, it'll be like two or three folks and we'll all get together and we'll we'll be like, okay, well, what do you got? Like, oh, how does that work? And I'll play a chord progression. Like, that's pretty cool. And someone will be like, well, I have this line, you know, uh, like you flicked your Bic lighter on, on Main Street at midnight or something like that. And then we're like, okay, well, how, what does that sound like? And you kind of just get in the room with, with these people And you just kind of dream away for like three or four hours. And sometimes it really creates something that you could not have made on your own. Mm -hmm. And that is a a perplexing reality. That's so simple to, to grasp, like to, to take in and accept, but like why it happens that way, I don't know.
1: So you were surprised by this when it first started working for you?
2: Oh yeah, man. And I still am. I'm that's the thing. I, I try to surprise myself every week with music like and every day like I, whenever I, I, I that's always my goal is to stay surprised with it because with music the thing that we love about it is in one sense there's this term called phenomenology which is just like the radical fireworks explosive uh bright-eyed nature of something right and like often at times the better you get with music the longer you do it you lose the phenomenology but that's why we love players like B.B. King and John Mayer. And that's why we love writers like Paul Simon. Um, and, you know, more my, modern writers like Shane McAnally, um, Casey Musgraves. Like, mm-hmm. there's, there's just this, like, youthful, like, simple uh, approach to what they do. And it's, it's not too based on their ego. Um, and it's that phenomenology. It's that thing that we love. It's why something so simple can hit us in such a heavy way. And so when you're writing with other people, other people's ideas and explanations and insights can kind of help keep that asset um, lit, if you will, while going now to answer the second half of your question, if you're writing by yourself, maybe the internal audience that's within you can kind of maybe uh, shut away a certain idea that might not need to be shut away. Or it might think that an idea is good and really it doesn't serve the song 100%. But then again, when you write by yourself, you also get completely different approaches uh, to the song. You get a different level of intimacy. Like there's um, a writer named, uh, uh, he goes by the name of the tallest man on earth. And he writes all of his songs by himself. And it's like, oh my gosh, like you can't like, (laughs) you can't like go into a room with people and like write the songs he writes. It just simply wouldn't work that way. Like it 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 just wouldn't. And uh, they have a certain sound to them.
1: This is something that's come up before in terms of co-writes. Can you get to that level of personal truth within a song with a, in a co-write situation, right? That's kind of what you're talking about a little bit.
2: Isn't the funny thing about personal truth that I've been thinking about lately is it's like it exists in the most simple, macro, uh, blanket sentiments, like love is all you need, right? Like how personally true is that to anyone who's ever going to listen to this podcast? It's so true. But then it's also like, I need to like, I need to clip my fingernails once a week. It's like, well, that's like, it's such a specific thing that like, that might not be the best example, but it's like, uh, uh, one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines that, that I absolutely love. From Neil Young and he wrote this song by himself which which was I see you give more than I can take and I can only harvest some Like that to me is like um, and that's from his album harvest. Yep It's like that might have been personally true to who he was at that time in his life to whoever he was writing that song for and it's like that unique perspective that he had based on the cards that he had in his life at that time manifested that line and it's like, that is a personal truth to who he was at that time. And it's it's less of a personal truth to all of humanity. And so it's like you get different tiers of personal truth when when it comes to different forms of songwriting, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Yeah. So that could happen in either form, co-write or writing by yourself.
2: Yeah. It's just like a different flavor of it yes. in, in a simple way of saying so.
1: Let's back up a bit. So, so you grew up as a guitar shredder. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you always been a singer also or is that more of a recent thing
2: I never really sang I never did I started singing when I was 19 okay 19 or 20 no I started singing when I was 20 yeah which and how's is,
1: that how's this singing journey been for you
2: it's great I love singing it really is a great thing for me for where I am now like I've been doing it for four years and um this year I'm doing it more than I ever have been and uh whenever I try to pursue something like I, I need to love the tactile most basic simple distilled Tetris block building aspect of it right. and um like that's why I was such a terrible skateboarder like because I just did like like this like the basic routine of doing it and I love the basic routine of singing like I, I love setting up to a microphone and like being a different person each night and having dynamics come through and that being amplified to your room. Right. Yeah.
1: Do you feel that you have already found your way as a singer? Like how has your singing changed over that, what, four or five years since you started?
2: Oh gosh, incredibly no so. Incredibly not at all. Like I am way, way, way more gifted on the the guitar than I am with singing. And I realized that when I started singing how gifted I was at the guitar. Because uh, the progress that I was able to achieve on the guitar and in the period of time that I've been singing, I, I think would be like a hilarious graph to look at. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm all right with that. I, I really am. The way I approach singing is I'm just trying to develop my style in a way that's the least damaging uh, to myself physically and emotionally as possible. Cause I'm, a, I'm a person who naturally is going to compare myself to others um, a lot right. of the time. Um, But the thing about singing is that it's made me kind of acquire all these character building traits that have helped my entire life in different ways. And so it's like, I, I try to just focus on myself and I try to listen to singers that, who inspire me in that, again, I can see it, hear myself in. And I just try to replicate them and apply them to whatever I have going on du jour.
0: So
1: what, what was it like for you when you first started? started after years as this guitar shredding sideman, if you will, to be the guy up there singing and playing at the same time. How different was that for you?
2: It's really weird. So it's like, again, referring back to the internal audience, it's like the internal audience inside is like, well, you, your guitar playing is so astronomically higher than singing. You know, anything I was putting out of my mouth, I was kind of self- I was kind of defacing it all, and I wasn't really giving myself any credit. Plus, at the time, I was living with uh, my ex-girlfriend, who was, like, one of the most gifted singers, like, on the entire planet. and had always been, and so that was really hard on my ego. So, in short, it was just really hard on my ego. Um, It was a really weird time for me but it, it was it was great ultimately in the long run. The way I started singing was very much so how I started playing guitar professionally which was down on Lower Broadway in Nashville, Tennessee. Right. And I simply just had to take gigs to, to pay my bills and um, the way that it unfolded at the time was I was getting offered gigs on my own time slots. So we would have like these four hour time shifts and I would just go and sing, 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 wow. sing and just kind of shut off that voice in my head and just and just get better and get, hit my nose to the grindstone
1: and these were covers
2: all covers right. all covers i started writing at that time and um i didn't play my songs down there because people down on broadway don't want to hear your original songs really right. And that's fine that's totally cool i love that and that's honestly it was about a year it's about two years after that then i started doing my own daniel donato shows outside of the town
1: Okay, playing your own music.
2: Playing my own music and covers that feel like my own. Right. Like my own songs.
1: Well, let's talk about your own music. Um, a couple of songs I'd like to talk about. Let's start with uh, Sweet Tasting Tennessee. Yeah. Um, this has a really catchy kind of earwormy melody riff. I really love it. Um, so do you consider the song uh, like an, a, 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 a loving ode to your home state?
2: I do. And so again, dwindling back down onto... The tears of, per, of personal truth that you can dissolve into with songwriting. Right. This was a co-written song. The song is about, I, I'm trying to capture that feeling of coming home. Like that feeling of being in the car for 12 hours. You don't have the money for a play ticket, so You're going to drive home. And it's like, what that feeling of seeing the welcome back to Tennessee or welcome back to Illinois, uh, state like that. That sign, that feeling, that's such a momentous thing. I tried to capture that in this song. So it is a a—it is a, a, a love letter to Tennessee because mm-hmm. this state is where I'm from. I've been here most of my life, but it, I want it to be for, for anybody who wants to access that emotional place.
0: How you look the same, it seems. Going 20 above feels slower to me. Mama says she worries of the snow and rain, but I'm pulling into paradise any day. opposition a new position, an ambition, kind of mission. Where the fields are green. Sweet taste in Tennessee. A red cup of sweet tea. Sweet taste in Tennessee.
1: Let's talk about live performance for a minute. We've talked about your career already a bit that you have spent if you added it up as a live performer probably thousands of hours performing live in front of a crowd would you oh, say oh
2: dude yeah i've done easily it. absolutely well over two thousand shows in my career so far
1: that's great and by shows a lot of these were like you said four hour gigs in nashville <laughs> Oh, right? yeah so i played that's... at
2: one place called roberts western world and i did 464 shows there
1: each of them four to five Several hours. hours. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So let's talk about that. So what kind of particular lessons have you picked up about what makes for a good live performance, either from doing it yourself or seeing some of the people you play with? Yeah. Um, what did that experience teach you about the, a good live experience?
2: I think like there are so many, it all comes down to the situation first and foremost. And that's something David Byrne talks about how music works. Like it literally comes down to where is the performance happening mm-hmm. and where is the listener? So if the listener is there with you, then it really comes down to confidence and belief in yourself. And I think that applies to any performance I've seen that that hits me. Even if I can't relate to the person on a musical level, someone like Travis Scott, or like I went and saw, I saw, like I saw Travis Scott in one week who is like, like one of the top rappers in the game right now. Yep. And then I think I've gone and then seen a country singer named Dustin Lynch who's like a uh who has a like a big single on like the biggest Nashville like iHeartRadio country station here. Yep. It's like on an emotional tier I can't relate to those guys like musically like right now with where I am, but on a performance level, those guys believed in themselves and there was a lot of confidence and I thought it was a great performance. So uh, kind of again referring back to this what are these things that we can apply to most of humanity i think those are the things like belief in yourself and confidence in your delivery Mm -hmm. And, and that all comes down to a a great intention and i think that resonates with anyone who's going to be watching you
1: so when you talk about uh where is the listener you're talking about maybe reading the room as you're playing
2: yep absolutely and then also like literally the listener might not even be there. The listener might okay. be live streaming, watching you. That's something I also think about because like if you watch um, my social media, I live stream every live show that I do. Right. Um, and that's something I keep in mind when I am performing. Like I'm, I'm performing to people who aren't even in the room. And uh, so I, I try to attenuate to all, that, to all of that levels of viewership.
1: Well, that's, that's interesting because... It, You know, in in my traditional view of a live performance, the audience is kind of involved in the show, right? They're providing energy to the performer, but yet you say you're now performing for an audience that doesn't have that feedback ability, right?
2: Yes. Yeah, they don't. They don't really have any way to directly interact with me as like an audience in the room does. Um, And so, but there's different ways that a performer uh gives off direction like i can give off direction by extending a song for an extra minute for a guitar solo you know what i mean or like the like the um like the dynamics of of the moments where we are improvising like that a lot of the time will be more attuned for the room you know what i mean like the dynamics of the things that directly affect the viewer who is like in the room with you but it's like i might want to include a little bit of something that might be extremely flashy and like hard to execute that might hit somebody who's watching from like Indonesia, if that makes any sense.
1: Sure, uh, let's talk about the song uh, "Broke Down." Yeah, um, this kind of uh, got a classic country swing to this one, I think. Yeah. Um, can you talk about this song and maybe talk about it in terms of how you see your relationship musically to the country music tradition?
2: Yeah, so uh, this is one of the first songs I I wrote, definitely within like one of the first fifteen songs. I really love Sturgis Simpson. Sturgis Simpsons is one of my biggest heroes, basically. Yep. It's like, I'll go on the record saying that to anyone I, I come in contact with, because it's like, when he's doing a bunch of music. Sorry.
1: I'm with you on that one.
2: I love that. I'm so glad. <laughs> I just love somebody who takes a a format and just does their own thing with it. Like, he kind mm-hmm. of disrupted it with his own style, and I think that's so cool. It just hits me in a way that I can see myself and hear myself in. it. So that was me trying to replicate, like the way I learned how to play guitar was trying to replicate other players, literally. Slow down their solos, learn note for note, and uh, learn the hell out of them, post them on YouTube. Learn the mechanics of something and let that infuse into the mechanics of your own filter and style of a guitar player. Now Daniel wants to write songs, Daniel's feeling the need to say something with words that his guitar can't say. And Sergio Simpson hit me right at the right time in my life, and that needed to happen. Broke Down was an amalgamation of listening to metal art sounds and country music and feeling a certain way on a certain day. I don't
0: sleep at night much, all my words have a slight touch of something shrill. The wind cuts cold and I shake, in on the wall, we throw down.
1: about what you call this is kind of related question cosmic country
2: yeah cosmic country is um, an amalgamation of having to exist of getting the privilege to exist in a time where personal brand can be deemed as an artistic asset to um, to somebody who is an influencer or somebody who has um, a currency uh, of attention right on them, like I do right now so modern the so cosmic country is basically my stamp on my brand of country music it's just my brand on country music and what i want it to mean musically is that there's 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 room for exploration within lyrics and within the music itself like i want there to be stories but the, i also want there to be uh moments for the audience and just lose it and dance for five minutes when there's no when there's no words happening we just kind of jam and, and we go out there very much so like how the avid brothers or the grateful dead would do something
1: right yeah. So so this can apply to your interpretations of existing songs as well?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I love that you said that because that's such an on-point perception. Um, it really is just like if you could put a filter on an image, I would love for there to be a Cosmic Country filter to put on a song.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Grateful Dead analogy kind of brings that up.
2: Yes, it does. There, what I loved about the Grateful Dead was the first time I heard them, The first CD I ever popped in, the first song that played was Big River by Johnny Cash. I'm like, that's a Johnny Cash song, but it's in no way a Johnny Cash song. And like, that is how you keep music and tradition alive.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. We could talk for a long time about that (laughs) idea. Uh, Let's talk about your newest release, Always Been a Lover. Yes. Yes. I yes. hear kind of a bigger rock. I don't maybe pop kind of production here. Am I am I the drums are kind of more prominent. Am I in the ballpark? Or? You are
2: in the ballpark. Yeah. It's also like where country music is now, there's so much happening in terms of like what do we call this? Like why are you even calling this country? It's right. like well, Luke Combs is country, of course. But like KC Musgraves, that's country but it's like not country, period. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it's like referring back to Sturgill. It's like, well, that's country, but it's also not. It's like, well, what are all these, what's happening here? And so it's like, I more or less wanted to take a concept that anybody can relate to, which is a love song, and put my own perspective on it and uh, apply production that I feel is like useful for somebody who is into um, modern sounds of country music. So like, that's the thing I'm really uh, heavy into right now is like, what is this song useful for? Cause like if you go onto Spotify, you see a lot of playlists that are like songs that are for certain times of the day. Right. And it's like, okay, so now we're like, we're giving songs a different stock value in different placement purpose than they've ever had before. It's like now songs are being written for, for that workout routine songs are being written for that. And it's like, yes, songs are being written for that drive home. Right. And it's like, when I wrote sweet days in Tennessee, the day it came out, I got over like 30 people send me videos of them listening to it, driving, filming through their windshield. I'm like, well, Jesus, that's exactly what that song was written for. That's great. And so like for always been a lover, I want it to be a summer song. Like I want it to be a song. That's like your friend gives you the auxiliary cable or you know, like in your dry like in you're at the pool and it's like you play something. It's like that's where I feel like that song applies.
0: Baby I've always been a little-
1: releasing singles this you know over this process right you, is this leading to an album release or, or
2: this is this is leading to a second ep release so always been a lover will be the second single from the ep and then we're going to drop the other three songs as a collective um you know either july or august like very soon then after that i'm going to start writing for my for my full length
1: which i'm going okay. to do 10 songs do you see the album format as, as something that, that you still attach yourself to? The way you're talking about releasing these songs as, as wanting to strike a particular chord sounds more like the modern model of, of the single taking prominence, a series of singles versus the, the album as a collected work.
2: Yeah. You know, I, I love that question. I really do. A lot of it comes down to the format of the music that you're trying to release. Um... And it's like in the country world and the Americana world, those are um, those are album-based formats, right. um, And so a lot of the people who help grind the and grind the gears and move the gears forward on, on the business end of the endeavor of the music, um, the album format is just easier to, uh, to to get things rolling in. Having said that, this one's for you, Luke Combs. You know it, it had five singles on it, right? You know what I mean? So it's like it really still, at the end of the day, like it's about the song, but I'm trying to right now exist, or I'm trying to create something that um, can help bring on a team of people to help make my music uh, more accessible uh, to more people. And it's like trying to write a batch of songs that can exist within an album format is the goal and how it's released could be a number of singles, but ultimately it'd be like a collection of 10 songs.
1: Yeah, okay. Did I read or or hear you say somewhere that you get up or at one point in your life got up very early every morning to practice guitar?
2: Oh, yeah, I still do. What time? Um, well, to this past weekend, I I slept a ridiculous amount of hours, so I, so I didn't do that. And my internal audience is like, you got to say that, Daniel. You can't can't be bullshitting these
0: people. Right. Listening.
2: Um, <laughs> but you no, know, I usually wake up at like 5.30, which I don't know. I think that's all perspective-based. Like I talk to some people and that's not very early at all For,
1: for a musician, that's almost unheard of. It's almost I heresy. Think. Yes. Yeah probably passed you probably passed pass them on the way into the bedroom when you're getting up
2: I just love the idea of um, starting my day with something that's creative
1: so you get up that early and pick up your guitar that's what happens I
2: literally do like I literally get up I put on my I put on my Nike sandals and I go into my music room and I record the first noises that come out of me and I, found, hmm. I post them on patreon whenever I do almost every morning Um yeah, yeah, The early morning thing's a great thing for me.
1: The brain that hasn't been affected by the rest of the day yet.
2: Damn, it's so true. It's like if you're texting me between five thirty and seven thirty, I I'm not a CEO of a major company, so like there's no reason you need to really be getting in touch with me. <laughs> so like I, I can kind of just turn my phone off and uh, just and, and just like be me. Which is something that when I was sixteen not having to worry about any financial obligations or or long term career obligations or just like values of being an adult that can also be stressful at times. Before I was worrying about those things, and before I had the opportunity to to uh, achieve those things, I really it really was just me and my guitar and YouTube. Like that's what it was, and it was like me, and my guitar, and YouTube, and like my dreams. And I, that Daniel still exists inside of me. And so, like, whenever I wake up in the morning, I try to serve that guy first because, like, that guy is why I'm talking to you right now, largely. You know what I mean? And why anyone's listening.
1: Finish up with a question that you may have just answered, but let's see if, let's see if you can restate a little bit. If, if you look at the big picture of your trajectory, how you see yourself in the future, how you guide yourself, is there some kind of overall guiding principle you try to keep in mind, or some holy grail maybe you're shooting for?
2: Yeah, so for so for shows, it's, uh, the thing I love to say is that it's a celebration, not a presentation.
0: Hmm.
2: That's something I try to keep in mind all the time. Try to keep that in mind all the time. It's like, you can rehearse all you want, but if you're going up there, really trying to like Microsoft PowerPoint it, it's not gonna work. It just doesn't come off in a way that really resonates with a lot of people. So that's Great. something that instantly comes to mind when you ask that question. One other thing is I, I, I really do try to uh, be myself as much as I can. Um, I've, I've always come across to people better when I'm, when I'm myself and I've just always done a better job at things when I'm myself, like even at school, Like, things that I I was able to be myself in, I did a better job at. And uh, with music, like whenever uh, I've played on a record and I felt like I was able to be myself, that's what people loved. And it's like for a lot of other players, that's not the case. And like, that's cool, that's their bag. Like being a session player a lot of the time is like being really technically proficient at a certain sonic trend of a certain period of time. It's like I really want to just always be myself. And that isn't as simple of a statement as it sounds.
1: Right. Yeah. That's, that's a that's a good answer. I want to thank you for taking the time to, to talk with me today. It's been a great conversation. It sounds like you are at a really interesting and exciting point in your creative career. So I, I, it seems like you're really enjoying it. And I wish you the best. I hope you keep enjoying it.
2: Thanks, Mike. So do I.
1: All right, Daniel. Take care. I'll
0: talk to you later, man. Thanks, All right. Yeah. Time flies like hurricanes, fast tidal waves, drowning deep in forgotten days. Like words that were lost in the wind, this darkness you're traveling in will waste all your waves away, a cannon from the flame, drowning deep in forgotten days.
1: Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that discussion as much as i did keep an eye out for more from daniel i know i'll be watching to see what he does next you can keep up with him at DanielDonato.com. check out his latest single release always been a lover it's on all the musical places where music is placed please consider subscribing to tell you what the podcast on itunes so you don't miss any more episodes if you like what you hear please tell friends on the internets or even in the actual world about us that helps get these great young musicians some of the exposure they certainly deserve. Until next time, remember, music is the best.
0: Words that lost in the wind This darkness you're traveling in where we slow your days away A candle from a flame?